This is The Varsity, a sports podcast from The Record North Shore, your nonprofit local news site. Howdy, folks, and welcome to the latest episode of The Varsity Podcast, podcast where we discuss everything involving North Shore high school sports. From the Friday Night Drive, I'm Michael Dwojak here with the Record North Shore founding member, Joe Coughlin, as we've got a lot to talk about in this week's episode. Um, We've got the final week of the football regular season here, which is kind of crazy. I feel like we were just talking about getting ready for the season. It was hot and beautiful, and now the last few days it's been 34 and cold, and life comes at you really fast. But we've got – we'll recap week eight, and we'll talk about week nine, talk about projections and all that kind of stuff. Um, and uh, we'll have a lot of other uh, postseason action to talk about. So we'll do our regular four-quarter format. First quarter recap week eight of the of the high school football season. Um, second quarter, we are going to hear from Highland Park uh, football coach Anthony Kopp. In the third quarter, we play way or no way our weekly guessing game. And then in the fourth quarter, we get you all ready for week nine of the football season, including a huge matchup between Loyola and Mount Carmel. But before we do that, let's uh, remind you that you can subscribe to the podcast anywhere that podcasts are available. Give us a nice little review, spread the word as you guys are out at these playoff games um, and uh, regular season finales as well. So make sure you're spreading the word about the varsity and the record North Shore. Um, Subscribe wherever you can listen to podcasts. And if we're now where you listen to podcasts, then let us know and we'll make sure to add the varsity there. All right, let's start things off here in the first quarter. Um, let's start off with uh, some more interesting games. Um, and let's start off with Nutrier uh, outlasting Niles West um, in the 34-14 win on Friday in Skokie. Uh, Nutrier picks up its fourth win of the season to go to 4-4 four and four and create uh, some chance of uh, trying to win a fifth game um, as they uh, – try to kind of fight back here for playoff qualification. But Joe, um, Friday night seemed like it was a pretty miserable day to watch high school football. A good day to maybe keep up with uh, reporters on Twitter and watch your live streams and instead of being out there. But uh, um, Nutrier really uh, did a good job of picking up a win where I needed to um, against an opponent that just isn't at the level that Nutrier is. Yeah, Niles West isn't there yet, but it is an improved team. Um, and I think they matched Nutria early, but Nutria picked it up again, like you said, soggy fields, um, cold, windy at times. Um, so it wasn't easy to play in those conditions or get used to them. Um, so because they kept changing, so uh, but Nutria picked it up. Uh, I think they, you know, the, the talent on that team has kind of emerged, um, kind of risen to, to the occasion time and time again. I think at the beginning of the season. Uh, when they were 0-3, especially after I lost to even Stevenson in week two. Um, 0 and, yeah, 0-3, I'm sorry. Uh, we were thinking, you know, four wins seems unlikely. Um, it looks like we only have two or three wins on the schedule right now. So, uh, but they've they've picked it up. Uh, they've grown every week, and, and they got win number four and, uh, you know, made it this last week of the season – you know, they can, they can have a rallying cry here. Can we do something special? Can we do something, uh, you know, unprecedented here, beat Maine South in the final game of the season to make the playoffs something that, re, you know, unforgettable. So um, it's going to be a good one. I think it's going to be fun for them um, to be able to fight like this and have a chance. Yeah. I think that it's been really 
fun to watch how this new true team has kind of regrouped, especially in conference play. I think the way that they played in non-conference, you kind of had them like, well, I don't know, they might, things might be a little bit closer than we want them to be, but um, to be able to pick up wins against GBN, um, Niles West now and uh, um, Evanston, um, says a lot about the development of this Nutrier program and um, obviously says a lot of what should come even if Nutrier doesn't win in this Friday match. But um, you're seeing a lot of progress from a lot of key players, especially from Nutrier quarterback Patrick Kennigan. Um, he's been able to make some uh, big plays for the Trevians in order to pick up big wins. And um, I think that growth is really what's encouraging, Joe. What Based on what we talked about earlier in the year, um, being like, man, you just got to figure this out. Maybe you get two or three wins and – you should call it a day and be happy. But now with four wins, um, obviously a tough task against Green South that we'll talk about in the fourth quarter. But the progress that you've seen that this Trevians team has taken is really encouraging, not only for next week, but also um, for next season. Yeah, and, and the seniors have played their role for sure and done a great job. You know, some stand out in my mind. But a lot of this has been on the backs of juniors and even sophomores um, who, have, who have kind of been tasked with, uh, a lot of the success of this this team, this 2022 team. And um, they'll be back next year with a year or two, in some cases, of varsity experience, varsity football in a, in a tough conference, playing some big schools um, in Class 8A. Um, so, yeah, bodes very well for their future. And they, I think they have some bona fide all-conference, if not all-state contenders, um, on that team. Um, and they get to develop another year on the defense and develop physically. And I think we're going to look at a pretty – a uh, pretty frightening roster here in next year and two years from now for Nutrier. Who do you feel like, I mean, obviously the quarterback is always the most important position in high school and obviously sometimes the most important position in sports, but um, has Hennigan's growth really been encouraging and something that's vital for this program? Or do you feel like someone else's growth that you've kind of seen throughout the season has kind of played a role in, you know, having more hope and obviously some wins this season, but also for next year? Yeah, I think I think Hennigan um, takes a lot of it, um, obviously because of his marquee position. Um, but he he's shown that he can make the throws in a varsity football game. He's he's had his mistakes, of course, uh, but he may, he's been making good decisions um, for a lot of this season now. Um, not just with his arm, but with his legs. Once they let him loose a little bit, he's not the speediest guy in the world, but um, he he gains positive yards and he hits the hole um, well. Um, they're mostly scrambles, not too many, some design runs, but not too many. Um, so that's really all about instincts and decision-making. And I think he's been pretty, he's shown a lot of growth there and his arm, man, it's good. I mean, he throws a great football. Um, you know, Miles Kremaskoli, their junior wideout, who's a superstar has made him look good in times, but his throws to him, let's just say Miles has had to make fewer acrobatic catches than in weeks one and two. They're, they're, they're more on the money. Uh, they're more in stride um, and, and they just look better, you know, getting the ball out there. And he's got a, you know, they got a six, five sophomore. They brought up at receiver who's shown some promise too. who gets to grow with Hennigan and um, they got running backs that are coming up that are going to be good and uh, are underclassmen as well. So, those guys have all stood out. I really like Jaden Salazar on the defensive line. Um, he's a, he's a D tackle and he's strong and he tackles um, and he, he he's a disruptor. I think he's going to grow. He's only a sophomore um, into the role if he wants to continue with football. Um, and they're really young in the secondary and the, the defense has stopped teams at times. Um, so I think another year of, uh, like I said, development, both physically and skill wise. Uh, and this could be a scary unit. 
All right. Well, obviously, big things to looking forward to um, in next year. But we're still talking about next year, and we'll talk about their Week Nine matchup against Maine South on uh, this upcoming weekend on Friday in the fourth quarter. But let's move on over now to Highland Park, where Joe, we talked about. Um, you didn't want Highland Park to need to win its final game of the season in order to make the playoffs. You kind of wanted them to, you know, figure things out and um, earn a victory against the one in Vernon Hills team. And um, honestly, you saw the complete opposite by Highland Park on Friday going down 36 points. Um, They were able to, you know, come back and um, try to make it a game against Vernon Hills on Friday, but losing 50 to 34, Joe, um, I feel like that's kind of the worst combinations of both things where, yeah, you lost by a lot. You lost, but you also lost by a lot instead of losing by a little. And the way you were doing it by losing in the first half of the game, I mean, for a team that's fighting for its playoff lives, that, that was kind of a discouraging thing to see. Yeah, it was. Um, you know, Vernon Hills came in there. Uh, whatever chip was on their ex-shoulder, they they certainly exercised any demons. You know, they they haven't had a great year in the win column. Um, I believe that was only their second win, but they really look good. They looked impressive. They've got, um, you know, one of the best players I've seen this year and Eric Bamer, who's a, who's a tight end for them. Um, Reek Tavik um, against, uh, against Highland Park. And they just didn't look all together, especially on the defensive end of the field. Um, I don't know, you know, you could call it preparedness. You could call it anything you want. Uh, they just weren't playing as a full unit, weren't tackling well. And, I mean, Vernon Hills just kept marching down the field over and over again. Um, you know, we saw some daylight when I think it was 22 to nothing and and Highland Park scored near the, near the end of the half. So you thought, okay, that gives you a bit of hope here if they turn things around. But Highland Park, with only a minute left, went right down the field and scored. And that was a backbreaker um, right before the half. I really feel like that was about it. The second half, as I talked to the coaches about, um, was really more about pride and really just kind of playing for your, for your school and, and your name and, um, you know, um, putting it all on the line, even though, you know, you might lose, what are you made of type of stuff? And I think they did a, a great job with that. It, the win was just out of their hands at that point. Um, and, and Vernon Hills kept scoring, even though Highland Park put up four scores in the second half. So um, it was a tough one for them. Uh, I think they wanted to, I don't know if they expected to, but they, they really thought they could win the final two games, win them out and uh, go into the playoffs with six wins. Now they're going to have to fight for their lives in week nine. Vernon Hills finished with 289 first half yards. Um, That included uh, eight plays of 14 yards or more, uh, 43 to seven advantage in the third quarter. Joe, what happened to this defense that just was not able to, I mean, obviously the elements were tough, but I mean, Vernon Hills was also playing in these elements. So I mean, just what what happened um, in that first half where the defense just completely collapsed? Uh, well, I mean, I really think it was tackling. Um, I really think they got those large chunk plays. Not many of them were deep balls. Uh, the, the play to they had a 74 yard um, catch and run to Bamer where he just ran up the seam and probably broke three tackles, not too with, with not much difficulty. Um, and that they were just chunks mostly from the running backs or, or small, small, uh, short passes that were run out for 15, 20, 30 yards. It seemed they happen all the time. Like I said, eight times in the first half. Um, so I just really think poor tackling a big piece of that. Um, you know, maybe their best player, one of their best players is middle linebacker, Tyler Glazer, who's been out for a couple of weeks. He's a captain. He's a senior. Um, he's, you know, one of the best players on the field and uh, you know, he missed, he hasn't been there. He really solidifies that defense and, 
if you're talking about a linebacker, that's the guy you want making tackles um, right in the middle of that field after the, after the D line. And, and they haven't been able to do that without him. So that's a big reason too. And just like you said, it, it was a, it, it was in rough shape that defense on uh, Friday night. All right. We'll talk, we'll hear more about uh, Highland Park in the second quarter from coach Kopp, and then we'll obviously preview their week nine matchup um, here in the fourth quarter. So um, let's finish things off in the first quarter with uh, Loyola. Um, who made easy business of St. Patrick winning 53-7. to seven. Uh, Much of the starters played only in the first half. Uh, Will Nemeshine scored twice um, to get a big 46 to nothing lead um, at halftime. Quarterback Jake Sturdy, 6 of 10 for 63 yards, touchdown. Um, uh, Lee Ramblers, Nemeshine, Ryan Craddock, and Luke Foster scored a uh, total of at least 40 yards rushing. Um, just kind of what we expect expected joe i don't know how much we really need to spend on this game and just pretty much uh you know you did what you needed to do against the st patrick team that just isn't at the same level yep yep and you got a lot of your guys in you saw some other i think you probably got three or four quarterbacks in um five or six running backs um yeah you got you got most of the unit I, i'm not sure if they got everybody i'm sure they tried um to get everybody in and on the home field that's always a great thing and a couple defensive touchdowns which was nice to see um, two pick sixes, one from Johnny McGuire, and I can't remember the second one. I want to say Jack McGrath. No, I, I'm not sure. Um, but anyway, so looking good. Moved eight, no, just like you know Mont Carmel did. So setting it up, setting the tables. All right, let's move on over now to the second quarter where we are joined by Highland Park football coach Anthony Cop. Joining now, you got a chance to catch up with Coach after their Week Eight loss to Vernon Hills. Um, what are the folks at home going to hear from uh, the coach? Yeah, we talked about the slow start um, and uh, what that's all about. It kind of plagued them against uh, in a Deerfield loss as well. Um, how can they fix that going forward? And um, you know what now with uh, one week left, um, what's on the line? All right, let's take a listen. Yeah. What was it about the start of the game where they got a big you know, advantage? You know, I don't know. Um, we started slow. Um I don't know. It's uh, definitely something that we got to fix because Deerfield was the same way. We had a slow start. Yeah. Um, so we got to look at ourselves and figure out what we can do to fix that. Uh, a lot of big plays for them on offense. Obviously, they move the football, but a lot of big ones. What, what does that say? What were they able to do? Um, I think that's on us tackling and being physical. Uh, we weren't being the more physical team. We weren't finishing tackles. Uh, we weren't flying to the football. Um, how much of that, whether it's the big plays or the or the uh, just the moving the ball, is, is Tyler, you know, kind of captain, middle linebacker? It's definitely big. Definitely big. Um, you know, that kind of captain, leader of the defense, a big physical presence in the middle. Um, so, yes, that that's certainly a part. But, you know, we as a team got to rally around that and guys got to step up. Um this would, you know, you're playing for your fifth win. Was this a big one? Did you guys have this in mind that you really wanted this one? Absolutely, yeah. absolutely, yeah, yeah. We were we were looking to get to six. Um, yeah, we, we didn't just want to stop at five. So right. yeah, we were looking to get these two. Um, we were telling our guys, let's keep going one game at a time and let's finish by 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 winning out. Um, so yeah, we got to. Uh, we got to get ready for next week now. Anything, you know, 
I thought it was pretty impressive. You guys never stopped. You know, they, they put up 50 points, and you guys put up the last, I think, three touchdowns. Uh, what, what does that say? Can you use that at all going forward? Hopefully. Yeah, hopefully. Um, yeah, we, uh, you know, we like to have eight, uh, uh, giant pride. The saying that we do, and, you know, at the end of the games and when, you're, when we're getting beat bad like that, it's more, more about pride than anything. Yeah. So that was what, what we were preaching at halftime, what we were preaching there at the end. Um, you know, finish with pride, finish with pride. Um, and we definitely fought till the end. Anything uh, special you want to work on before next week? Anything you really want to be ready for Maine West? Uh, yeah, Maine West is, is a good team. Um, saw some film between, like, crossovers of them. Um, but, you know, just getting ready ourselves for a good fight, a physical fight. Um, just making sure that our guys are prepared to play a good physical game again. Thanks so much for joining us, Coach. And as always, thank you, as always, to all the players and coaches who join us each and every week. Always appreciate everybody's insight. All right, let's move on over now to the third quarter where we are going to play our weekly game of Way or No Way. Joe and I argue or agree about five propositions that I throw out and say whether way they can happen, no way they cannot happen. Um, and we're going to start things off here on the courts of tennis. We've got uh, Girls State taking starting off on Thursday. We're recording this on Wednesday. Um, way or no way, Joe, that Nutrier uh, as a team wins the state title? Um, no, I still think, uh, you know, this is um, uh, they're a step behind here. But we have, you know, we got the same four teams going to jockey for uh, three trophies in Lake Forest, Stevenson, Hinsdale, and uh, now I'm forgetting the fourth. Well, Nutrier. <laughs> um, so those four are are going for it, and uh, there's only three trophies to give. So I don't think they have the, you know, the, the first place champion that you really feel comfortable. Now, Madison Liu at first singles is going to do damage and get her share of wins and be a top five finisher and get a medal. Um, but aside from that, they don't have a guarantee placer i don't think they should do well in doubles we'll see what julia ross does in singles but uh i, I think those other teams are going to really stack those points at the high at the um, really top level yeah i think i'm going to go with no way as well i think they i think they bring home a trophy when it comes to winning state i don't know if they which is kind of crazy to say out loud but i don't know if they have the depth to keep up with the other teams um and their depth when it comes to the way they kind of do a state championship when it comes to these types of sports where um everyone combines points and wins and all that kind of stuff so i don't know um whether they have those um points and are able to uh you know kind of put it all together so um i'm gonna go with no way i do think that this team can bring a state trophy back home um i just don't think it will be the first place a state trophy all right, boys, soccer playoffs have started. 1A are, is already into the sectional round. Uh, 2A and 3A are in the uh, regional round. Uh, way or no way, Joe, after North Shore Country Day's boys soccer win on Tuesday, way or no way that they can win the sectional against Ladin on Friday? I think so. Um, they've played them a couple times and beat them a couple times, close matches. This is a rivalry of theirs. Um, it's going to be a good one. I both both were the top seed in their subsectional. They split the sectional two groups. Um, but that's North Shore Country Day sectional. You know, they had that one loss. That's it. Um, and it wasn't to Latin. So I think they do take this and win a sectional title. 
Yeah, I think I'll definitely go uh, with uh, Way here. I think they um, have shown off the talent that they have and the ability to do so. And I definitely think uh, Way, this team definitely has an opportunity um, to win a sectional title and move on to uh, super sectionals for a chance to go down to uh, state. All right, way or no way, Joe, we've got the uh, field hockey playoffs uh, taking place. Way or no way that Nutrier can win a state title? Uh, big way. I think they are the favorite. Um, I think they, they haven't lost in state this year, I believe, um, unless it happened in the past few days, which I don't think so. Um, so uh, they're going to be a tough beat, um, and they probably won't be challenged until the state finals, and who knows if they'll be challenged there. This is a very good team once again. Um, they got a couple seniors who are superstars um, and uh, are hard to stop from putting the ball in the box. So it's going to be very difficult for anybody to stop them. I think they win another one. Yeah, I think I'll definitely agree with you there and go with uh, way. I think that this team is very stacked, has a lot of great uh, playmakers and abilities to uh, um, do different things, uh, both offensively and defensively. So, um, yeah, way. I think that this team can win um, a state title. Uh, Loyola girls cross country won the GCAC this past weekend with a strong run um, from one of its runners way or no way, Joe, that the Ramblers can win their regional this weekend. Yeah, I think they can win the regional. Um, I think they're among the best teams in the area for sure. And even, even kind of like a larger uh, region, if you will, but, um, and they're led by experienced runners like Ellie Gramas, who you were just talking about. Um, she became a, a four-time all GCAC runner um, this past weekend. She's very, very good at what she does, and she'll lead the way. Um, and But it's just a good team in general. Uh, Maeve Norman comes to mind. Um, uh, they're a talented group. So going to be fun. I think they can win the regional. Yeah, I would agree with you there, Way I think that they, uh, they've they got Nutria. they got Denial's team, the GBSs, Evanston, Hersey, Maine West, and Wheeling. Um, in their regional, and I think uh, Loyola is probably the strongest bunch out of that and should be able to move on and compete in the Hoffman Estates sectional moving forward. All right, we're going to finish things off here with uh, girls volleyball. Loyola earned the number one seed, Nutria earned the number two seed in their sectional. Way or no way, Joe, that Loyola and Nutria will uh, go chalk and meet each other in a sectional final. Man, I was looking at this, you know, right before we started the podcast. I really like the path. Um, for Loyola, well, I say Loyola, but I guess, you know, the team in that sectional to come out of it. And uh, I really hope I think it can be. I think they're both uh, peaking at the right time for the season. We knew Nutria would take some time, and I think they've gelled a little bit. And now uh, and Loyola has just been hot. So um, I think they could definitely meet each other in the sectional final. And I think who does has a great chance to go to state. So it's going to be a great one. And I'll, I'll say, wait, let's wish it into happening. Yeah, I think I'll agree with you there. I think definitely way. Um, these two teams have kind of shown um, their ability to do to you know really compete well with the area and uh, some of the state's best teams. And um, I don't think that there's really a team that would be able to kind of you know knock either one of these teams off of their trajectory of playing against each other. So yeah, I think it's definitely a way. I think they're going to uh, play against each other, and uh, it should be a really fun uh, sectional final. But uh, we got a little ways to get there, so uh, let's move on over now to the fourth quarter where we got week nine of the regular season, football season here. Um, we've got two must-win games uh, for Nutrier and Highland Park, and um, a game that kind of feels like a must-win game, even though it's not between Loyola and Mount Carmel. Um, 
Let's build up to that Loyola Mount Carmel game and uh, start things off here with uh, New Trier and Maine South. Um, New Trier at four and four, needing to pick up a win in order to make uh, the postseason. Um, I've seen some projections where maybe um, New Trier is able to sneak in and that kind of stuff. Um, so we'll have to see um, what happens there. But um, Maine South taking uh, Maine South six and two. Uh, taking on a Nutrier team that is four and four. Um, Joe, obviously a tough task for um, a team that, that uh, you know, has kind of grown in this year, but um, a tough task against a team that is kind of controlled and has already won um, essentially the CSL South. So, I mean, just what are we looking forward to here for Nutrier um, in a tough matchup against the Hawks? Yeah, I mean, I'm really, you know, I'm spying that Nutrier defense. Um, it's been good um, the past few weeks. It doesn't give up many points, even to, you know, the loss to Glenbrook South. You know, it gave up, what, like a 15-play drive to start the game. But other than that, they kind of held the Titans at bay, and, and the Titans scored late. But, um, you know, teams haven't run it up on Nutrier since early in the season. So we know Maine South is capable of putting up a bunch of points. They put up against conference foes 43 against Glenbrook North 45 against Niles West um, they put up 28 against Evanston last week so can Nutrier hold this team you know I think it, it's its goal should be under 28 points you know you, you gave yourself a chance if you hold them under four scores um, it, you know even better if it's closer to 20 and you can try to escape here with with a few touchdowns of your own um, it's not going to be easy. Um, use my mantra all, all season. This is a big uphill climb um, for them. This is an experienced team versus an inexperienced team. Perennial conference champion versus guys playing their first year of varsity football. Um, so it's going to be uh, difficult and challenging, but can they rise to the occasion? Can, like I said um, earlier, like this could be a rallying cry for uh, doing something special, do something unprecedented, unforgettable type of thing. So can they do it? Um it's uh they're they're the underdogs, but maybe they play that role to perfection. Maine South's two losses coming to Warren 19 to 17 and to Prospect 42 to 41. Um Maine South beat Stevenson by a bunch of points, Barrington by a bunch of points, Glenbrook North 43 to nothing. Um the closest game of the season was a 23 to 16 win over Glenbrook South for um essentially the CSL South. So um like you mentioned, Joe, this team really likes to put up points. And how confident are you in the ability of Nutria's defense to kind of keep this close and limit what Maine South can do um, offensively? I think I'm confident in their ability to keep them under 30. Um, I think Evanson did that. You know, Glenbrook South did that. And the way Nutria's defense is playing, if they're playing at that level, uh, I think it can be right around there. Um, and if, if you get a little better than that, then you put yourself in a position where winning is an option. Um, so, but Maine South's defense is no joke either. So once we get to that side of the ball, um, Nutria is just going to have to move the football. Um, they're just going to have to do it all night. Even when they don't score touchdowns, they're going to have to move the football and make sure that defense is on the field for a long period of time. Do all those kind of little things that can get you victories late, um, wear them down a little bit. Um you know, um, get get somebody going, whether that's one of your receivers or Hennigan or get somebody going in, in a positive direction that you can count on late. Doing those little things early that can help you late win a football game because, uh, you know, they're not going to run away with this football game. I think we know that. So 
those are just some things I'm going to be looking for, but it, it's a, it's a big one. It's a big ask. I think the biggest, the interesting matchup in this game is going to be what can this offense do against Maine South's defense? I mean, Maine South has the most point they gave up was 42 points to prospect. But other than that, uh, they've given up three, um, 19, seven, zero, 16, seven, and seven. So, um, I think that's the biggest matchup, honestly, in this game where what is Maine South, what is New Cheer's offense able to do against Maine South's defense? And can that team, can that offense really, you know, can Hennigan and Kermiscoli and all those different targets kind of figure things out against the defense that doesn't really allow you to make too many um, big plays? Yep. Yep. Exactly. Um, which, which means maybe some little plays um, and, and little, but let's call them little chunk plays if that's a thing. You know, seven, eight here, seven, eight there. 10 here, 12 here. Can they do those multiple times in the football game? You know, 10 times in a football game, I think. And then, and then you feel good about where you are, but it, you know, Maine South's legit. Um, they're, they're a contender in eight, a even. Um, so um, it, it will take a very special effort to make this happen. All right. We'll get a prediction out of you at the end of the episode, but let's move on over now to Highland Park, who faces off at Desplaines against Maine West. Both teams at four and four. So uh, both teams essentially playing to get into the playoffs. I don't know um, if either of the team's schedules would really allow them to get in on four get, uh, four wins. I think, I don't know if either team's, you know, schedules are strong enough for that to happen. So um, Joe, essentially a must win game for either team if they are planning on making it to the postseason yeah and yeah i don't think either team has the points to make it with a with a four spot um either way so um even a five spot in in some years wouldn't do it but i think uh with with so many um classes and fewer schools participating we're we're in a spot where, where all fives get in or at least the vast majority so anyway um i mean this is it this is for a playoff spot i actually think that works against highland park uh, maybe if Maine South, Maine West was already there, because I do think Highland Park's the underdog here. Maybe if Maine West was already there at that spot, they could take advantage of some letdown, um, a letdown performance, um, but not. So they're going to have to go toe to toe with uh, a full strength Maine West, full strength Highland Park. Let's see, full strength in terms of effort. Um, Highland Park's still got Tyler. I don't know if Tyler Glazer will be back. It was certainly help on their defensive side of the football. Um, it's going to be tough. Um, I mean, uh, this Maine West team beat Vernon Hills 36-13, and Vernon Hills hung a 50 spot on Highland Park. So this defense is going to have to rise to the occasion. I don't know what they're going to do in these, uh, what they did in this past week to prepare, but it would have to be very, very substantial on the defensive end of the football, some changes in order to to make it happen. And um, again, similar to Nutria, it's going to take a special effort to overcome Maine West, who's good. They're 3-1 in the league. Yeah, I think – Maine West kind of had a slow start, had a one and a three start to the season, losing to Elk Grove, um, Hoffman Estates, and Wheeling, but really picked it up in conference play, beating Maine East 42 to nothing, Vernon Hills 36 to 13. They lost to Deerfield 13 to seven, um, and then beat uh, Niles North 49 to nothing um, last week in week eight. So, um, Joe, I, I mean, just what, how do you, how, how do you kind of get the bad taste of last week and how do you get it out? And, try to prepare for a game like this and um, especially defensively after putting up such a big number and um, in the second half, maybe um, Vernon Hills didn't have as many of his starters in as it wanted as you know, you would when you're up by so much. So, I mean, how does this defense respond from such a tough game and, you know, 
come up big in, against Maine West? I, I don't have the answers to that because it really was that disappointing. So, you know, there could be things that are just technically broken with that defense um, that I don't know how they recover from in one week. You know, you can build things throughout a season, but going from giving up 50 points to going to, you know, hopefully giving up in the 20s, you know, to give yourself a chance. I don't think they're winning this game 45 to 40 or anything like that. Um, I don't know. I don't know what they can do, um, especially if Tyler Glazer is not back. They just they got to tackle, and tackle is a commitment play. Um, you know, it's commitment and focus. Um, and if you're if you're there to be physical and and you're there to to tackle, you got to really commit to it and do your job. And I think that's a whole defensive thing. Um, uh, everybody on that defense has to be in, uh, buy into it. So um, I don't know. It's going to be tough. I hope they can get it done. And then maybe, you know, if they can't and they still give up in the thirties, uh, we really got to count on that offense scoring on every possession. We got to count what they did in the second half, um, especially in that fourth quarter against Vernon Hills, just go down and score every time. Don't leave any margin for error um, anywhere else on the field. You got a small window, just score every time you got the football and do, do what you have to, to make that happen. Who are your two key players or maybe two key things that need to happen in order to, uh, um, you know, in order to win this game? I mean, just what do you really need to see um, in order for, you know, Highland Park to be able to pick up this fifth win? Um, I mean, the, we the tackling is huge. So if I'm looking at, I'm looking at um, the linebackers and the ends in containing the run game of Maine West and um, keeping things in the pocket and keeping things contained up the middle. DJ Robinson's a big part of that. Um, Jacques, I, I can't never pronounce his bat last name. Um, who's a senior captain. A D tackle is a big part of that. Um, they're just going to have to make those tackles um, when they present themselves on the offensive side of the football. I put a lot on Dave Finn for the quarterback. He's had a really nice year and um, he's got some nice, um, targets out there. And, you know, I would say I would put a lot on Nick Bloomer kind of, he, he's a, um, really stud receiver for them. He had a nice year, but I think he has to work it around to his other receivers, to Johnny Walker, to Emmett Pulte, um, out of the backfield to Nico Rosenblum, who can do some things out of the backfield, work the ball around, run when you can. Finfer's got some, some nice legs. Um, and I, I put a lot on him to kind of keep that offense churning every time they're on the field, moving the football. Cause I think they might have to put up a big number to, uh, to make this happen. All right, let's move on to our final game. The game that we've been talking about all season long, looking forward to this Mount Carmel Loyola matchup on Saturday at one thirty at Womet. We got eight and no Mount Carmel facing off against eight and no Loyola um, one and two in the state, essentially in any power rankings that you'll find um, for football in the state of Illinois. Um, the margin is razor thin between these teams and putting together my preview for this game and, you know, my, in my CCL notebook, I got together some numbers and I thought these would be interesting to share. You got um, Loyola averaged 44 points a game in their eight games. Mount Carmel averaged 41.8. Um, Loyola allowed an average of 14.4 games. Mount Carmel allowed six. Um, average margin of victory. Loyola had 29.6. Mount Carmel has 35.8. Uh, common opponent uh, margin of victory. You got Loyola 22.3. Mount Carmel 24.6. Um, and then opponents' records uh, 33 and 32 for Loyola, 
40 and 24 for Mount Carmel. Um, these teams are, I feel like I've said this in the, on this podcast all season long, these teams feel the same. Um, they feel like they have the same storylines going on. They feel like they have the same um, playmakers and types of abilities and that kind of stuff. The offenses are dynamic with lots of different playmakers with great quarterbacks. The defenses are stout and stop literally anyone um, trying to do anything. And um, Joe, this is a matchup that uh, is kind of what you kind of look forward to. Um, feels like a state title game literally for the entire state of Illinois. Um, and Saturday should be one heck of a matchup between two of the best teams um, in the state. Yeah, I don't know. I, I honestly, I'm at a loss at at who's got the advantage here. Um, I think maybe on a neutral site, I might give it to Carmel, but Loyola's at home on a Saturday and we'll met. Uh, we talk about that a lot and the advantage that brings. But what they've done both this year is so impressive. Um, you you just listed all those stats, and I think um, you know some things we usually look at are, are like opponents, and um, you know Loyola uh, edged out Marist while while Mount Carmel beat up Marist, but then the Brother Rice game, Loyola beat up Brother Rice while Mount Carmel barely edged Brother Rice. So it's weird those you know if you call those off games for those guys because they still won by a touchdown. Um, we don't have too much to look at in that transitive like opponents thing to really give us much. You know, you look at watch them on the field. You've seen both teams more than I've had. I've only seen kind of clips of Mount Carmel. It seems like it's just going to be a a clash, just a really high level football clash. Um, where I think maybe uh, they have the advantage. I think um, Loyola's offense uh, might have more more playmakers all over the field, um, but you know, just the, the, the pure talent of Dowling um, kind of evens that out. He, he can make a, he can make a target and a, a superstar out of anybody. So it's, it's going to be a good one. Um, it's going to be fun to watch. I, 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 I've waffled over what my prediction is for a few days now. And I, I still don't know. I don't know about you. Yeah, it's definitely been, I was thinking about what I'm going to say on this podcast and I, 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 I still am trying to figure out like things and maybe we can talk things through now, like trying to figure out looking at these matchups and that kind of stuff. And I think the biggest matchup that I don't know, both offenses and both defenses are strong as heck. And I'm looking forward to the matchup. Like for the, let's start off with the Mount Carmel offense. You got Blaney Dowling at quarterback. He can throw it wherever he can run or wherever you have Darian Dupree jr. Running back, who is probably the best running back and is going to be the best running back in the state is a power five recruit. Um, and might honestly be the best, you know, overall running back, just being able to get yards and that kind of stuff and his movements and that kind of stuff, probably in the whole Midwest, if not the, you know, country, um, when it comes time for, you know, colleges to start offering and that kind of stuff. So um, you have that and the offensive line um, is really strong as well. So um, it'll be really interesting to see looking at that matchup with Loyola's defense. You got Brooks Barr, who's constantly been creating threats for, um Loyola's defense um I think this is a game and based on talking to coach Halasek I mean you need to limit Mount Carmel's playmakers and you need your guys to stay disciplined and we kind of talked about this earlier in the year Joe where there are some plays especially that brother Rice game and that Maris game where in that brother Rice game Mer brother Rice scored 21 points and two of those came off of you know trick plays or you know one design plays that were kind of like 25 yards or whatever 
Um, and in that Maris game, um, Maris was able to, you know, get off to an early lead and kind of move the ball down the field and create big plays and big yards. And I think that that's something that Loyola's defense can't do against Mount Carmel, where um, you have you have Dowling at quarterback, you have Dupree at running back, you have Arrington at running back, you have Furlong at um, wide receiver, you have multiple threats everywhere. Um, and if you give up one play or you focus in on one guy, some other guy is going to beat you. So I think that Loyola's defense is really going to need to, you know, stay disciplined and figure out how stay to their truth, because if they don't, um, I think that there's going to be plenty of playmakers on Mount Carmel to burn them and kind of score easily if uh, they don't stay disciplined. Yeah, that's definitely a concern and a big one for Loyola. And I'm sure that's what they're working on. Um, you know, I'm interested to see, I think the Loyola offensive line um, is, you know, I haven't seen the one that, that good in a long time. I mean, the, 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 the pocket that Jake Sterney has regularly is just clean as can be. Um, and they open big holes for guys like Nima shine and company. So uh, I'm interested to see if they can stop that really. Can you create, um, space for your guys to run against that unbelievable Mount Carmel front seven or eight that um, has limited opponents to six six points a game, six points per game. I think they have four or five shutouts on the season uh, um, in eight games. Um, so it's an incredible defense. Can that offensive line uh, protect the quarterback, number one, but also um, get a push on that line so we can just get positive yards um, on our home field? I think that's going to be a big – keeping your offense on the field measure for the day is can we get a push and just get yard positive yardage consistently. And I think this is the game where you need to, I think we've seen it all season, but I think this is the game where you need Jake Sterney to be Jake Sterney at quarterback for Loyola. I mean, um, coach Mount Carmel coach Jordan Lynch talked about how um, poised he is, how he's able to make any throw. It seems like how he's able to use his, le- use his legs. And obviously, like you mentioned, that's a big credit to um Loyola's offensive line for creating you know space for him and a lot of time for him a lot of times but I think this is a game that you know really will fall into the hands of the quarterbacks where if Jake Sterney is really able to make a lot of key plays key changes at the at the line and um, really figure things out I mean that's essentially where this game could be won where one play maybe one big you know 50 yard touchdown whether it be a small play slant pay a run um, RPO and that kind of stuff I mean that's essentially where this game is going to come down to. Um, how is each quarterback going to perform? And for Loyola, I think Jake Sturdy plays a huge role in determining just how well this team can do and how well this offense can continue to go against the Mount Carmel defense that prides itself in essentially swarming the ball and getting five guys to the ball no matter what is happening. Yeah, so you kind of wonder with that type of defense and how effective they are, do we see slightly different Loyola offense like do you I don't know if they'll have the time and the space to find Declan Ford or Spencer Ledbetter for 50 yards plays like they do every I do think that's important that they unleash a couple of those but do we see more work for Jack Parker do we see more work for Jack Fitzgerald um, in the middle of the field and Nima shine out of the backfield some more cleverness Um, I think we might Um, I think that's something to keep an eye on yeah I think that part will be really interesting as well um um, just looking at those matchups, I think we've talked about how much like we they've gotten the tight ends involved, and I think that'll be really important. I know uh, Mount Carmel linebacker Danny Navicus, he's going to um, Ohio to play collegiate football, um, literally the University of Ohio, and then uh, 
defensive lineman. Asher Tomaszewski is heading to Kansas State as a defensive lineman. So I think getting those tight ends will be really important because um, Mount Carmel secondary is going to be able to eliminate um, uh, Declan Ford and Ledbetter, like you mentioned. Get those tight ends involved, maybe like we talked about beginning of the season. Have them play at the same time. Have them as a blocker or have them have, have them both streaking if you need to um, and maybe run some empty backfield because sometimes you might need to pass it as opposed to running it into a defensive line that um, has been able to stop a lot of running backs so far this season. Yeah, I think those adjustments and in-game, you know, tweaks, fine-tuning, you know, uh, the head games between um, not not the manipulative head games, the, the back-and-forth head games between Jordan um, – Lynch and Hollisecker are going to be uber important as we go on, because I do think, I don't think any team's going to run away with this. I think they're going to both have to make adjustments and figure things out on the fly. Um, and it's going to be fun. It's going to be good. And that is a fun matchup that you mentioned. Jordan Lynch runs the offense and creates a new scheme every single week. And Hollisek obviously controls that defense. That should be a lot of fun to see how they scheme against each other and how they uh, change things up a little bit. But um, something, you know, before we get our predictions here that I kind of thought was interesting that both coaches kind of talked about in my preview. Um, both coaches are treating this as a playoff game, but Coach Hollisek was not afraid to mention in 2013 when uh, Loyola and St. Rita played against each other undefeated in week nine. And Loyola got rid of all of its starters in the second half. Both teams are not afraid and prioritize um, their players' health as opposed to winning this week nine and staying undefeated. Both co both coaches said playoff games are far more important than, you know, obviously both teams want to win the CCL Blue, but winning a state championship is much more important to each team, and they're not going to get injured um, trying to win a week nine opponent. And I think that's really interesting where – um, was that kind of foreshadowing for both teams where it's like, all right, we're kind of close. They're like, eh, it's not really worth it to us. Are we just going to take our players out and kind of have our subs in? I mean, that's going to be an interesting thing to watch for as well um, on Saturday, a couple hours before, you know, the projections come out. Yeah. And, you know, the coaching staffs and the programs know their players better than we do. If, if player X, we have no idea that they're nursing a back or shoulder, whatever injury, and it could use some time. And that's what's best for the team going forward. We might be irritated on the sidelines, but they, why would they give a damn about that? They're trying to win state championships over there. So they'll do what's best for their teams. I trust that Hall Second Company will do that. And I don't know Coach Lynch, but I'm sure he will too. Um, and if we see that, then that's just the nature of the beast for two of the you know top teams in, in the state uh, going for a state title. That's the, that's the end goal. All right. Uh, let's uh, get some predictions for week nine, Joe. Uh, let's start off with uh, Nutrier and Maine South. Uh, are the Trevians able to pull off an upset and pick up a fifth win? I don't think so. Um, you know, I'll be rooting for it. I think I'll, I'll be there on Friday night. And uh, let's see if they can do something special. But Maine South is that good. They are that experienced. Um, with two losses, they're also kind of fighting for playoff seedings and, of course, a conference championship. So um, there is stuff to play for for them. Um, a seven and two record is much different than six and three in the eight, a playoffs um, into your road. Um, so um, I think Maine South too young, too young, Nutria, not their year to do it. Uh, I will give Maine South a um, I'll say to keep it under 30 though. So let's say it's a 28 to 14, uh, 17. Nick, Nikki gets a field goal, 28, 17. Yeah. Maine South. I think, uh, I think, Main South, not that Main South ever isn't motivated for a football game, but I think they know what's at stake. Like you mentioned, uh, division crown uh, seating is huge, especially like you said in the 8A. 
And uh, a seventh win in a home game guaranteed as opposed to a sixth win um, is very different in the playoff brackets here in 8A. So um, I think Maine South controls this one pretty easily, 34 to 14. Um, I think Maine South knows what's at stake and they're going to be able to take advantage of a, a young Trevian team that has shown a lot of growth this year, but um, I just don't know if they're able to do that uh, against a tough Maine South team. Um, Highland Park at Maine West, Joe, same question for you. Which team is uh, heading to the playoffs? Yeah, again, uh, we're ruined so hard for, for Highland Park this year. It's it's quite a spirited um, team, especially, the, you know, the leaders on that team have been so impressive all season long. Uh, I just think Maine, Maine West has them, has them out, um, uh, outclassed, if you will. I, I don't like using the class, but I just mean that they got a better squad this year and uh, it's going to be tough for them. Um, so I do think that um, Maine West pulls it off, but I, I believe it's going to be pretty close one here. Um, I'll say, I'll say they, they score a lot of points here. I'll say it's going to be 35, 31 and, uh, um, Highland Park gives themselves a chance. Yeah. I think last week was the week for Highland Park to pick up that fifth win. I think Maine West is kind of rolling here, especially in conference play. And with the way you kind of see how they played against common opponents, I mean, losing to, um, Deerfield by six points and beating Vernon Hills by around 20. Um, I think Maine West is just kind of showing that it's stronger than Highland Park. And um, I think Highland Park, despite how strongly it started the season, um, won't be able to pick up that fifth win and unfortunately would not be playing in the postseason um, this year. All right. The game that we've been looking forward to, the game that we've been talking a lot about, Loyola hosting Mount Carmel 130. And at Loyola's Wilmette campus, make sure to get there super early with parking being very limited um, during a regular game day, I can't imagine what it's going to be like for this game day um, on Saturday. Make sure you get there as early as possible. I saw the school already say that um, overflow parking will go to New Trier's uh, Winnetka campus, or uh, I should say Northfield campus. Winnetka campus will be a brutal walk, um, but um, <laughs> should be a, a great game. Uh, probably a packed stadium on Saturday afternoon. Should be a beautiful day for football, too, as well. I think it's supposed to be in the 70s and sunny, so nothing you can – not really a good excuse for you not to be there. So, uh, Joe, what happens in this battle between two the two best teams in the state? You know, I don't know, Mike. I just don't. <laughs> it's so good. It's it. I mean, we've been talking about you know things because we've been looking forward to it since the preseason. We've been talking about it. Um, and I really don't know. But since I don't know, I'm just going to go with uh, the team we covered. I think Loyola certainly has will have every chance to win this game. They got the talent to win this game. They have, um, you know, the pedigree to do it. So why not? And they're at that home. Let's get a victory. But I really uh, think we're going to see a close one here. Um, um, a, a slobber knocker, if you will, a lot of physicality, some big boys playing some big football. Um, and uh, I think we keep it relatively low scoring for these two teams. I think the defenses show up and show up big. So I will say 17 14 Loyola. I know for um, obviously we would never, you know, gamble on high school athletics or anything like that. For you sports gamblers out there, now that it's legal in the state of Illinois. Usually the home team gets three points just as a thing. And I know that it hasn't been the thing recently um, because of just how much that has kind of changed during the COVID era. But that is essentially where I am placing this game. I think home field advantage for how cliche as it sounds will be the difference here for Loyola and Mount Carmel. Um, I think it is literally going to be a three point spread. I would not be surprised if a Baker field goal wins this game. I'm going with Loyola winning 17 to 14 
I think it happens in the last minute or the last two minutes of this game. I think both teams are so strong, and I think they're going, it's going to take one mistake, essentially, to kind of put this game away. And I think Loyola is able to find that mistake um, and able to win 17-14 to 14, um, and finish the season 9-0. and 0. And um, essentially, I think after this game, Loyola will still remain number one, and Mount Carmel will still remain number two um, in the state powering. He's, I don't think this game will really change much. Um, for either team looking into the postseason. You, we picked the same score. <laughs> That's okay. So we have to pick. So we each have Mikey Baker hitting a field goal. We have to pick the distance because he had a 57-yarder last week. I say he hits it. He hits a 43-yarder. That's funny. I was going to say 45. So I'll beat you by two yards. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's, it'll probably be windy, though. I mean, it probably will be a little uh, a little windy on Saturday, as it usually is, especially in the fall with the changing seasons. But, um, yeah, I mean, it sounds cliche. I just feel like it's such a close game. And I think home field will probably be the difference here. And I think the three points will make the difference. And uh, Mikey Baker has obviously shown throughout his past couple of seasons that he can make clutch field goals like he did last year against Fenwick um, to protect that season. And I think he does it again against Mount Carmel, but um, I don't know. It's going to be close. It's going to be a fantastic game. Um, if you can make your way there on Saturday, make sure to follow um, me. I'll be at, at the game and I'm sure Joe and the record will be at that game as well. So follow us for live updates. Like I said, uh, parking will be really tough. So make sure you're getting there early um and uh often the game is also on wciu if you can't make it so um you can catch the game there so that is everything that we've got for this week's episode of the podcast like always it's always fun when we have a jam-packed episode um thanks as always for listening just a quick reminder that you can subscribe to the podcast anywhere that they're available if we're not there let us know we'll add the podcast there and check out older episodes of the varsity podcast for analysis and um interviews from other players and coaches so it should be a really fun week nine of high school football the playoffs are also taking place in every other sport as well so Catch up with all of Joe's coverage at the record North Shore for everything you need to know, not just sports, but um, also all the stuff that is happening um, in the North Shore area. And check out our breakdown on Friday Night Drive this weekend. We've got a fun little red zone thing going on Friday night. We'll have live interviews and live analysis, so make sure you check out the Friday Night Drive there as well. And we'll have all the projections and playoffs uh, pairings happening this upcoming weekend when that's announced on Saturday night. So for Joe and I, thanks so much for joining us this week. Enjoy all the football and playoff athletics that are happening this week. And we will talk to you guys down the road. Um, we didn't announce it because uh, it kind of sprung up on us, but this is episode 100 of the varsity. Uh, so okay. uh, congrats to Mike um, and Marty, our old co-host. Um, thank you guys for listening through uh What's 100 weeks, like two years, um, about two years <laughs> yeah. of podcasts. Much appreciated, guys, and you'll catch us soon. So see you. Here's to another 100. <laughs>Thank you for listening to the Varsity uh, product of the record, northshore.org, your nonprofit local newsroom.